we're going to go on a little trip. I'm going to go see my sister-in-law. She happens to live in Hawaii, so... And maybe we'll see some Honu, which is turtles. There's lots of turtle talk today. Um, so you say, okay, pastor, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. You're going to preach about Sabbath and then just go away on this great vacation. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> you could judge me all you want. Um, but rest is important. Um, this, actually, this command to take Sabbath rest, to cease from your work, it makes God's top ten list. And so we're journeying through these commandments. As we look at the commandment to observe the Sabbath, we need to remember it with the other commandments as well, with all of them. They're rooted in God's redemptive work. Uh, God calling a people to himself to live away. And when we relate to God's law, it's, it's always meant to be a joy. It's meant to demonstrate to a, a sinful and broken world what God's way is like. And it's good for us, and it brings glory to God, and, and, it's a del- and can be a delight. So today's command is to observe the Sabbath. You'll notice as you look at the list of the Ten Commandments, it's the longest of the commands. Uh, it has a bit of detail in there. Jesus talked about Sabbath quite a bit, perhaps more than the other, any of the other commands. It might be one of the most violated commands, and... Actually, in some ways, it's, it's almost acceptable to violate the Sabbath, even as believers. If, and I know that, because if you started worshiping another god, or murdering, or stealing, we'd have an intervention. But if you, if you don't observe Sabbath, many people may not notice or care. Therefore, it's also one of the most debated commands, I meaning what constitutes uh, observing Sabbath and what would constitute violating Sabbath. You know, there's a lot of debate. Debate. Christians vary greatly on how they view this. Some some people of faith have very strict adherence to uh, to Sabbath and practice and rules, and it can be very formulaic. On the other end, there's others who are just very free and um, almost non-observant in Sabbath. So there's a whole spectrum of of observance. Whatever the different views about Sabbath, you know, how exactly are we supposed to follow this and live this, how strict should we be, here's what we all agree on, is that God has ordained rest into the lives of those who worship him. Regular rhythms of rest. And when Jesus talks about God's command, God's commands, he he always seems to give us a bigger and a a broader and a deeper view of of the command than just the command itself. So, for example, when Jesus said, you know, do not murder, he said, but also, in a deeper way, if you have anger in your heart, that that is a, a murderous heart. And he said, you know, you could commit adultery, don't commit adultery, but in your heart, you could do that. It's it's deeper and broader than just the act itself. Uh, Even last week, you know, don't misuse the Lord's name. You know, you could have self-control and not use God's name as an expletive, but it's a condition of the heart that honors and reveres God's name. And here with Sabbath, as followers of Jesus, we want to seek to observe and practice Sabbath in broader ways and in deeper ways. So today what we're going to do is I want to just answer the question, what is Sabbath? When I, when I say Sabbath, what are we talking about um, then um, my friend Sherry is going to share her testimony with you about her uh, journey in Sabbath. 
and also um, when she finishes sort of uh, why is this so important and how do we do it well. So that's our, our path today. Let's pray. Father, in a world that is in many ways restless, in a world that is anxious, in a world that is just very fast-paced, we know, Lord, that you have commanded us to stop, to rest. And on this day, as we sit here and as we reflect on your word, we pray that we would know it, that this would go deep for us, and that you would show us our next steps as we follow you. Teach us in this time, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So literally the word Sabbath in Hebrew means cease, to stop. And so the Sabbath was also a day. Uh, And in the commands here in view is a day, a seventh day, a Sabbath day. And on it, you do not work. It's fascinating that there's no ancient Near Eastern parallel to this. So the God of Israel, his law code includes things that are in many kinds of law codes about murder and about stealing and about lying. But this whole notion of Sabbath is unique to the God of Israel. And each week there's one special day where you stop and you rest and you worship and you just put special focus on God and who he is. And there was a lot of laws about what you could do and couldn't do, and there was a lot of preparation and anticipation. So Sabbath was this special day every week. But Sabbath in the Old Testament was also a year. So every seventh year, uh, Exodus 23 says, For six years you're to sow the fields and harvest crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among you may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard, your olive grove. So even the land was supposed to lie at rest for that one year out of seven, and it it helps those who are disadvantaged and the poor. Uh, We see God's um, work in that. And then, so Sabbath is a day, it's a year, but it's also uh, not just the seventh year, but every seventh seven years, so every 49 years, was a jubilee year where debts were canceled and property was returned uh, if it had been mortgaged or sold. And it was this uh, amazing season of justice and restoration. And for, for that one year, you know, people wouldn't have to toil and they wouldn't have to be in debt and they could just rest. And it wasn't a permanent thing, but at least for that season, they could have an unburdened Way. So it was a day and a year and then a, a multiple of years. Then we get to the New Testament. And Jesus is getting into, the tr- into trouble on the Sabbath. He had a, a much less legalistic view of Sabbath, but a very big and beautiful view of Sabbath. He said that Sabbath is it's not just a day, but it's a gift. Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying there, God's kingdom is at hand with me. And I'm not violating the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a gift to people. It's not meant to be a burden to people. You don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift to you to rest. And so Jesus had this beautiful view of Sabbath. And then uh, also, the early Christians saw Sabbath not just as a gift, but as a goal of life. Hebrews chapter 4 says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own work, just as God did from his. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest. 
the teaching there is that for everyone who follows God, there is an ultimate rest, an ultimate Sabbath that we can make, take effort to enter into and experience in this world and in the life to come. So it was so much more than just a day is this experience of Sabbath. And I want to invite up Sherry File, who's going to share her story with us. And I'll let you take it away. Good morning. As a child, I was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. As you may be able to tell, a denomination with the words Seventh-day in its title, its name, takes very seriously the observance of Sabbath on the seventh day, as in Saturday. And this observance began on Friday evening at sundown and went to Saturday evening at sundown. That's a lot of hours and minutes to keep holy. So what did that look like? There was no TV watching for the entire 24 hours. As children, uh, we could play board games, but only if it was like Bible Trivial Pursuit or some other game that had been modified to become biblical. There were questions about, was it okay to swim on the Sabbath? Maybe if you accidentally fell into the water, that was okay, but not on purpose. Could we eat out on the Sabbath? That wasn't great because it was putting someone else to work. It meant no sports leagues with the town because those games were on the, on the Sabbath, Saturday. And then later when it came to employment decisions, uh, there was consideration around, well, if you're an essential worker, you could work on Saturday Sabbath, but not for any other reason. So while I believed that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, the Old Testament Ten Commandments were binding if observing the seventh day, Sabbath, was in the Ten Commandments, it was still a command, as God stated. So where did this strict focus on seventh-day Sabbath worship lead me? I had a lot of feelings of guilt when I would do something that I thought was questionable. Or on the other side of the spectrum, I might feel very self-sufficient and feelings of pride when I was doing things just as they were supposed to be done. I had a lot of questions about what was okay to do, what can't I do, and what does it mean to keep that day holy. I was unsure of my salvation, and I had an increasing focus on myself and what I'm doing rather than on my Savior. Worshiping on the right day started to mean more about the day than on the Savior I was meant to worship. In 2009, I had reached a point of feeling incredibly spiritually dry. I was attending church, but I didn't feel like I knew Jesus. I felt a lot of unrest, and I knew I needed a change. We had just moved to our home in Andover uh, in January of that year, and over the summer, I met a neighbor lady, and she mentioned that there was a women's Bible study starting up um, in September here at Free Christian Church, and would I be interested? So that was like water to the thirsty to me. I knew I needed to do that. So it was on a Wednesday morning in September that I first stepped foot here in the rotunda. There were three choices of Bible study, and something inside of me led me to the study on Hebrews. It was someone that led me there. And how perfect a study of Hebrews was for me at that time. 
For the first time in my life, I was really presented with the concept of the new covenant and how Jesus' death on the cross to redeem us from our sins changed everything. I came to a new understanding of the Bible, the old and new covenant, and the beautiful story of redemption, how the old points to the new and how Jesus fulfills the old. All of a sudden, the scriptures came alive to me. I dove in deep in study around the new covenant and the Sabbath, and I prayed to God that he would lead me to truth and not lead me astray. Where he led was a deep realization that Jesus is my Sabbath rest. The shackles were off, and I felt buoyant and jubilant. I truly had been set free to a full understanding of what Jesus did for me on the cross. So how has this changed the Sabbath commandment for me? Like a good father, he knows that I need rest. At the same time, he doesn't want me going through these, going through the motions rules of of following. What he really wants is my heart. The Sabbath commandment is number five in the 10. And I think that's very interesting. If Sabbath, if Jesus is my Sabbath rest, He is in the center. That's where I place Jesus. It's about a relationship with him, and everything else flows from that. He died on the cross to save me from my sins and so that I can have fellowship with him, Emmanuel, God with us. Staying close to Jesus transforms me from the inside out and enables me to do his will. So now my Sabbath rest comes at any moment of any day, When I turn my attention to Jesus, I ask for his guidance, I ask for his forgiveness, I praise and thank him. When I realize that I am striving in my own strength and I'm exhausting myself by my own efforts, I can turn to him and remember that it is his spirit in me that equips me and strengthens me and guides me. As Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. To that I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. That's really helpful because we're thinking, we're all trying to think of our own journey w- with this. What does it mean for us to live out uh, this beautiful command? And I think to, to root us and to anchor us in this, we need to understand what was God's intent in this? Why was this important for God to command rest to his people? And we have these two passages, the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus and then the re-giving of the commandments in the book of Deuteronomy. And there's a little different nuance to each of the, the Sabbath command, particularly, and both are very helpful for us to understand why this is why Sabbath is so important. In the Exodus passage, God says, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work." And He goes on to say, "For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth." the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed 
the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sabbath is all about reflecting God, that God created and God rested, and we are now commanded to work and to rest. And when we think about God resting, don't think that God got tired making the world. They did all this good stuff and he just had to just take a day off because it was so hard being God. No, no, no. God, the God we worship never sleeps or slumbers. He never uh, grows weary. Think of rest as God resting on his throne. That he's brought order out of chaos and he's done something that is perfect and good and he just sits down as king and is at rest in the goodness of the world that he created. The completed project. Picture me after I cut the grass and I see the straight lines and I just sit down in a chair and I look at the grass because I've brought order out of chaos and it's, it is very good uh, on a much more human level. Or just think of the, the kitchen counter that has been cluttered with dishes every day of the week and it, for that one moment when you get it perfectly cleared and every dish is done and put away and you look at that counter with nothing on it and you think, that is Good, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to just look at that counter. And that's God just enjoying his rule and his reign over creation. That is God's rest. It is a kingdom without burden, without curse, without chaos. And when we rest, it doesn't just restore us, it reorients us to the God who made all things, who is in control, who is king. And we need to stop and we need to experience that. And if we just keep going and going, we can just, for, we can just ignore God and just press on into these just very worldly things. Um, this, this, so that's the Exodus passage. It's very much tied to God and creation and God's rest. The Deuteronomy passage is a little bit different. Again, it starts, this is uh, Deuteronomy 5.12. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy as the Lord commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath In it you shall not do any work. Same words. Then it says, though, in verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath, in this sense, is very much tied to our identity as non-slaves. He said, you're going to observe Sabbath because you were slaves and God rescued you from that. You are not a slave. If you cannot rest from your work, you are a slave to your work. Anyone who overworks is a, really a slave to their work. Or a slave to something that is forcing you to work. Maybe it's a slave to uh, being successful or a slave to materialism or a, a slave to your parents' expectations on your life or a slave to whatever it is. Those slave masters will abuse you and they will take advantage of you if you are not disciplined enough to take Sabbath rest, to cease from your work. Sabbath is a declaration that I am free. Overwork, if we cannot stop working, it really becomes an attempt to justify ourselves, to become our own savior, to um, you know, build my own life. That is sin. That is saying that I do not need God, that I build my life. And Sabbath is a declaration that God is in control, that I don't have to work all the time, that I am his. My identity is in him, not in the work that I do. If we do not take Sabbath, we, we are saying, God, I don't trust you enough to stop. 
It's about self-reliance and self-sufficiency. And Sabbath rest enters us into God's kingdom where he rules. And it's, that's a, his kingdom is different than the way the world works. And the world will tell you to get rest for self-care. You need to do self-care, get rest. That's a good thing, but more than self-care, Sabbath is self-denial. It's me saying, God, I am, I am not in control. I am not self-sufficient. And I'm, I'm willing to deny material gain because I'm willing to find sufficiency in God's way. That's what Sabbath does for us. And our world loves to reward the overachievers, the people who never stop working, who are so devoted and they're, they're just so committed to their work and to their way and to their field. And, and um, the, the world loves that. In God's kingdom, he's the great achiever. And where his kingdom is, we can rest in that. All the striving and overworking becomes this big, heavy burden. And you know what Jesus says? He said, here's an offer for you. You give me that burden, and I'm going to give you my rest. All this toiling and achieving and trying to succeed at life, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a pretty good trade. For Jesus, the Sabbath was not simply a, just a day. It wasn't a set of rules to observe. It was the freedom of an unburdened life under the care and the watch of our loving Heavenly Father. That is the ultimate rest, the ultimate Sabbath. Sabbath says, I can't control my life. I lay my burdens down. I can find rest for my soul. And therefore, someone who understands this could say, well, I, I don't need to um, climb the ladder so fast. Maybe I don't need to gain as much as I can possibly gain. Maybe I can set fewer goals. And maybe I'm not accomplishing as much, as much but I'm choosing to obey God's command to rest, to stop from my work and rest. And I don't need to be, you know, ultimately, I don't need to be successful in the eyes of the world around me because I know how my Heavenly Father sees me. I've received everything that I need from Jesus Christ. That's God's heart in Sabbath. So then, how do we do this? How do we live this out? It doesn't necessarily start with your schedule. I would say start with prayer. Be honest to God about where you're at with this. You can rank yourself. One to ten. How am I doing at observing Sabbath? Now, of course, you can judge yourself by your own standard. I mean, God, it's God's standard that we care about. But you get a sense of where am I at? And what are, why, if, if I'm struggling in this, why? What is it? And confess those things to God. Confess your lack of Sabbath. Confess, if it's a lack of trust, confess that. Whatever you're pursuing instead of Sabbath rest, you know, Burdens that you haven't handed over to Jesus. Just in prayer, just hand those things over. And then take a look at your schedule. If you can take a Sabbath day, take it, absolutely. It's a beautiful way to, um, to experience Sabbath by designating a day. I try to do that. Um, Fridays, ex- you know, except yesterday and the two Fridays before that. But the one before that I did, rest. But I confess to you, I stand before you and say I struggle with this, that, that it's, it's very hard to designate all those hours um, to just to, to, 
you know, ceasing. And, and again, there's good things to do. There's other type of work that might be very uh, rejuvenating, helps you to focus on God, types of recreation. Uh, and family time, that can be great ways to, to, to designate Sabbath. In the Old Testament, they had to prepare ahead of time. They weren't allowed to kindle a fire on the Sabbath. They weren't allowed to cook. You had to prepare everything so that when the sun went down, you were ready to observe. And I think for us, sometimes it takes a little bit more intentionality to rest. You actually have to schedule rest into your time because it's not... You, our, the way that life works for us in our community, in our country, it doesn't drift towards rest. It drifts towards activity and busyness and that sort of thing. Um, a couple considerations... One is to be realistic about related stress. Some folks have, uh, over the last year and a half, have had more space in their schedule, and yet they don't feel any more at peace or at rest. Say, so, hey, I stopped working, but I'm still anxious, and I'm still not at rest. Because Sabbath is so much deeper than just stopping your work. In fact, stopping your work may have caused you panic instead of more rest. And that it's, it's, more about, it's more of a heart thing at that point. So if you have a lot of space or time and you're not feeling rest, it's, it's, it's more about where's my heart towards God in this. On the other hand, some of you were able to enter into deeper rhythms of rest because there was less busyness and less activity and that sort of thing. Um, so my encouragement then, if that's you, is to not refill that time in the way things used to be, to keep that space there as much as you're able and use it uh, to focus on God and to, uh, and to worship and use it to just stop. The other consideration is you really need to know if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Because if you're an introvert and you're going to stop your work and spend a lot of time with people, you're going to feel exhausted at the end of that. Trust me. If, if you are uh, an extrovert and you take you stop your work and you're just doing time of solitude you're going to feel exhausted after that so know what recharges you if being around a lot of people recharges you that's a great way to use time if solitude is recharging for you but be aware my point here is we're very free in how we observe the sabbath we're not free if to observe the sabbath we need to observe it but it will look different for, for us, and we're going to, my prayer is that we find true rest. That we never try to be our own savior. Justify our lives. We stop striving and we rest in him and we accept Jesus, what he's done for us. And ultimately, he took our burden on the cross. All of the ways that we've tried to prove ourselves, to do life without God, uh, to accomplish things and to look good on our own, Jesus says, you still fall short, but I can carry that for you. And by his death and his resurrection, he takes that burden. He gives us new life, rest in him. Jesus says, you cannot control this chaotic world. Um, You cannot be your own savior, but I am in control, and you can experience my rest. Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you for your way, and how good it is. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you are the Savior of this world. And we pray that we would live in such a way that we are free. We're free to stop. We're free to enjoy you. We're free to enjoy your world. 
Lord, so I pray that when we work, we would do it to your glory and that we would also rest to your glory. And Lord, we know the seasons where this is very hard. I think of young parents. I think of people in new jobs. I think of people who've started businesses. I think of um, just people who are, um, just need to help family members. I, I know, Lord, there's so many seasons of life where this becomes very difficult. But give us your wisdom to know how to stop, even in the midst of it, even if it's just an hour and a day, Lord, where we can focus on you, where we can truly be at rest, Lord. Help us to, to get there. Form our hearts, Lord to know your way. We pray this all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.